This week's episode is brought to you by Patchworks, our lovely synth shop here in Seattle. But you don't have to be from Seattle to shop at Patchworks. You can go ahead over on the internet there to their website at patchworks.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S dot com. I'd also like to say thank you to Needham Woodworks for my beautiful Needham Woodworks case. If you're not familiar with Needham Woodworks, um, well, then maybe you haven't been listening to this show because I talk about them constantly because they're the best in the game as far as Eurorack cases go. Um, find pieces of furniture and good people. Head over to NeedhamWoodworks.com. And lastly, After Later Audio, that Benjolin V2 is rocking my world. I actually have two of them. Um, and by the time you're listening to this, I will have uploaded a performance uh, that I did down on Harbor Island here in Seattle with my Benjolin uh, and the Instro Lupa. Um, there's a sea lion in the video. It's a lot of fun. Um, and then also I will have uploaded like a 25-minute... Uh, I did a live stream of a, of a little uh, living room concert in front of my Christmas tree. Um, and then I uploaded that on YouTube. And that's actually two Benjolins and a Morphogene playing together. So that's a lot of fun. I call it Dueling Benjolins. Um... They also have a bunch of new stuff out. The Popple Filter, the Baker and the Rainier uh, version of Peaks, and uh, the, the Bog, which is like a random monster. So please head over to afterlateraudio.com to learn more. And welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and I'm very excited to bring you this week's episode with Light Bath. It's been a long time in the making. We've been chatting back and forth for a while, waiting for the right time, and it worked out because this conversation is fantastic. And we go really long, and we get very deep. Um, we cover a lot of ground. So buckle up. Um, it's a lot of fun. Another unique aspect about this episode is um, we kind of take an unconventional approach to the uh, the patch challenge. Um, Brian actually had his, his synth set up to where I could hear it over the call, which is not usually the case. And uh, he, we kind of like walk through a patch that he already had patched up, and that's uh, very informative and very fun. So yeah. And we're going to get to all that in a, a moment. I'm not going to go too long on this intro, but I do have a few things that I want to tell you about. Um, first up, uh, I haven't actually uploaded it yet. I haven't really haven't even finished it yet, but I'm just going to say this in this intro and upload this episode to keep myself honest. By the time you're listening to this, I will have released um, what I'm calling my Christmas tape. <laughs> I, I like to do some some weird Christmas music every year, and I went very weird with it this year. Um, and uh, I actually really, really like it. So that's available on Bandcamp. And uh, if you want to have a nightmarish Christmas, then go ahead and go listen to that. Um, and uh, next week, we're going to have um, your Christmas music that you submitted to me played on the episode. It's going to be a special holiday mix. And then the following week, New Year's week, um, New Year's Eve week. I don't know. What do they call that week? Either way, no episode that week because... Uh, 
yeah, I don't have one recorded yet. So we're going to we're going to take the last week of the year off PodMod. I hope that's all right with you. And because scheduling interviews and stuff around the holidays is pretty difficult, I might be short an episode for uh, the first week of the year, but I don't want to leave you hanging. So I had a few ideas and I wanted to run them by you. And you can send me a message on Discord or Instagram or email and tell me what you think would be cool. But what I was kind of thinking is something like I could could do a rundown of like my top 10 modules that I got this year and maybe talk about them and even like mess with them on the show and and talk about what I like about them. Um, I could also do kind of maybe like a retrospective of uh, you know my favorite episodes of the year or favorite moments from episodes whatever I'm open to ideas let me know we're gonna get into a demo and then get into this chat because it's it's a it's a doozy here we go what's up I'm gonna talk to you today about the guillotine 1u distortion from ritual electronics and uh, what I like to do with, uh, with the distortions when I first get them is run a cool drum beat through them. So I made this here cool drum beat with the Rainier uh, from After Later Audio as a kick. I'm using some hats from Platts. Um, and then I'm just using the noise output from uh, a Turing machine going through an LPG. Um, but I'm going to tell you about this distortion really quick. So let's just vibe out on this beat. Um, Guillotine is a true stereo hard clipping distortion in 1U format. Its insane amount of gain can also be used as an instrument adapter, guitars, basses, microphones, etc. Because it can bring line and mic levels up to modular levels, but do not expect it to be clean. Um, It's two channel of hard clipping distortion with up to 25 dB gain. If you process a mono signal, you can uh, self-patch the module to chain chain the two together for a 50 dB gain. Um, So it has an internal feedback routing allowing for two distortion colors per channel, which is my favorite aspect of it. Um, And this results in similar, like, well, let's just talk about it. Let's just bring this up. So let's, let's bring this gain up a little bit. So that's, uh, that's at about 20%. We'll call that 30%. 50%. And let's just take that all the way up. Bring it back down to 50%. So the color, the color switches for the left and right. This is really cool. It's almost, it's not quite like, um, like it's, it's like filtering EQing. So in the middle, it's just the standard distortion. And if you flip them both down, it goes into kind of like a, a low pass. And then, um, if you flip it to the high position, it's kind of like a high pass. I'll turn this uh, volume all the way up with each one. So you can hear as you mess with a gain, it almost kind of sounds filtery. And then we'll go back down to the low pass. So that's at like 50%. But what's cool is they're, you know, they're independent of each other. So you can do a nice blend. So right now that's the left channel in the middle position and the right channel in the uh, low pass. And we'll go to the uh, right channel in the high pass here. And then I'll put the left channel in low pass. And 
formats with gain all the way up with a left channel, low pass, right channel, and high pass. So there you have it. That's drums going through the guillotine. Um, maybe we'll mess with some guitar and some vocals uh, next week. Please check out Ritual Electronics. They have, I think, maybe some of the cleanest, best-looking modules I've seen, and the construction is solid. It's just all-around high quality, and they sound great. I've also got the Alter um, filter, which has been really fun. Uh, probably my new favorite filter. Um, but we'll talk about that next week. Ritual Electronics. Well, Brian, thank you so much. I'm, I'm like, I've been, I've been looking forward to this chat for a long time because I'm a Me huge too. fan of what you do. Um, and uh, thanks. Yeah. So, just welcome to the show. I'm glad that it finally worked out. I'm, I'm so happy to be here because uh, I've, it took me a while to um, start speaking in this context uh -huh. i i i've been invited to do podcasts and yours was probably one of the first invites that i've gotten you okay. know and uh but i've been invited to do podcasts and i just kept thinking to myself ah, i don't know if i'm ready you know or maybe i've got to have something i i specifically want to talk about or or promote to be able to make it a thing, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm in the midst of transformation. Like, what do I have to talk about if I'm transforming and I haven't transformed, <laughs> you know? And so finally I was just like, well, what actually happened was, um, Corey, I told you about, I, I just guested on the Astro Hustle with Corey Allen. And Corey Allen mm -hmm. reached out to me a while back and I did the same thing with you. I was like, no, man, it's not time yet. Uh -huh. You know, and I finally, he just offered up this one. He was like, because we recorded this last friday and he was mm -hmm. like hey i have this date open just throwing it out there and i realized you know what this aligns with the fact that i'm releasing this album even though it's not something i'm like super promoting because it's you know it's kind of like just another selected public works thing and it's not mm -hmm. like the album that i'm right. working toward that we can talk about at some point but you know and uh so i so i did this and it and it just felt so good to to just talk about where I am right now. So yeah. I realized it's it's worth it. Like, man, Tim, let's get together. Let's do this thing. <laughs> like, well, perfect, we're always yeah. in process. Like, aren't yeah, we? Like, that's absolutely. the thing. Well, and I find there's there's been a number of people, you know, who for, for similar reasons, you know, like I want to come on the right time, you know. There are people that I've talked to for, you know, almost, you know, the length of the show, which is coming up on three years, you know, and, and it takes almost that, you know, like just for the right time to line up. And, yeah. and I, it's always worth the wait because, you know, if, yeah. if you were in that headspace that you described earlier and you just kind of acquiesced to it, yeah. then it probably wouldn't be as good of a show. So, yeah, you got to feel the activation. This is like the, this term, I get this term from Caitlin Aurelia Smith. I remember she did a, uh, like a series of Instagram stories a little mm -hmm. while back, like maybe last year or something like, I don't even know time anymore is a little weird yeah, and right. I can't tell the difference <laughs> if it was this year or last year or what, but she did this series of stories where she was just talking about, you know, her creativity and how she works and how she composes. And one of the things was when she's writing, she waits for the activation. She waits for this moment of, of, 
of engagement, you know, it, with with the the flow, you know, mm-hmm, a, and mm-hmm. that's when she does it. And I I sort of struggle with producing versus following the muse. And so I, I have, you know, yeah, well, we're content creators, you know, yeah. you, you and I both are creators of content. And in this day and age, what is content? Content is constant. It's, yeah, that's, that's something I want to get into in a little bit with, as far as like the YouTube stuff and everything is, yeah. I actually want to pick your brain about some of this, but, but going back to this activation thing, it's really funny. Sure. I'm the, ex- I'm the ex- same way. Like, um, I, I, I wait for it and I, and I anticipate it and I look forward to it, but I, I've learned that there's not much I can do to bring it on. Like if, if I'm not feeling it that day, then I'm probably, I'm not, not to say that I don't try to work through it. If I'm not feeling it, I'll give myself yeah. a little time, but if it doesn't start gelling, you know, relatively quickly and I'm not enjoying myself, like I just can't create stuff that I think is worthwhile. And I was just talking yeah. to a friend of mine who's, he's a tattoo artist and a painter and an illustrator and he can do photorealism like no one I've seen, you know, mm, it's just cool. And he talks about, he wakes up at, you know, three or four every day and he draws for, or draws or paints for five hours and then goes to work wow. doing tattooing and comes straight home and does it again. And he, he says he does it no matter what, even if he's not Bless feeling it. Him. I, just, I do not understand that drive. Like, yeah, it does that not is click amazing. with me. I, I'm not an early waker. I've only recently learned to wake earlier thanks to incorporating stimulants into my morning practice. I never did that before, you know. Um, let mm-hmm. me tell you, waking up with a head full of Coke will really get you going. No, I don't mean Coke. <laughs> but like, you know, just... This meth um, stuff is all the rage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I should have said that one. It's not the 80s anymore. What am I talking about? Who does that? No, no, but like... Um, uh, I've been using matcha lately. I've just been okay. making a, a yeah. very simple, like, um, like a teaspoon, I think, of matcha, mm-hmm. yeah, powder in like a in, a in a green smoothie, and that actually kicks me into gear in a way that before I used to think it was um, a little unhealthy, and I, I think it would like overtax my like immune system and mm-hmm. and like adrenals and stuff, but. Um, I'm using it in a way where it, it, it sets my circadian rhythm earlier so that I can hopefully go to sleep earlier at night. And then I end up using like sometimes some melatonin to make sure that I sleep mm. by a certain time. And that way I can move my schedule back. But when somebody has that kind of creative drive to be able to put in that time that early, I think those are the, you know, I, I might overuse this word, but the the sacred times. Those are that quiet time of just waking, that individual knows that that's where they're at their most realized, mm-hmm. and and yeah. this is ki- yeah, this is kind of what 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 Cor- what Corey and I were talking about on the Astro Hustle. Of he does his writing right for a book, for his book and things like that. He does it in music making after right after meditation, like a morning meditation. Mm-hmm. Then he goes yeah. into that zone right there, and it's funny that. I haven't worked that kind of thing out. I have a morning practice that I do. And right after that morning practice, for some reason, I just sit down at the computer and I end up like taking care of business usually. It's like, all right, let Mm -hmm. me clean up some of these emails. Let me make sure that everything is organized. And maybe that's the caffeine, actually, (laughs) that is... That can't really be... like I don't think that could be overlooked or understated how... like. 
going back, I hate to use the term content creator, but like, yeah, we, mm. that's, you know, with a podcast and music and video and everything like, like yeah. you and I are both, you know, kind of on the hustle doing a bunch of different stuff. And yeah. when you're doing that and you're, you know, especially you're coordinating with people like I am with guests every week and sponsors and stuff yeah. like that, that kind of clerical bureaucratic side of it does pile up and it does need to be done. So, I mean, if you, do have, far if you find a time where that, you, that works for you, cause I, I fall back on that stuff a lot, like yeah. fall behind on it. And yeah. Yeah. And so. it's, it's, it feels for me, it feels dangerous to fall too far behind on that because then mm-hmm. I end up having difficulty entering into the flow state. If I know that there are things that need to be, Absolutely. That the ducks, you know, the yes. ducks are all scattered on the floor, and we need these ducks in a row because that's mm-hmm. what ducks do, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and that goes the like non non podcast or video or music related stuff too. If there's just like general life, life business, you have to do that stuff adds up. That really can affect the creative, you know, like your creative spirit as well. So and learning to just to dance with all of that stuff. I mean, it's this it's the constant it's the constant thing, you know. And what mm-hmm. I've been doing lately because yeah i i consider myself i'm i'm on this cusp the strange cusp that of of artistry and content creation mm-hmm. is like an artist as a musical artist and and content creation because there's there's artistry in, in all creation right as mm-hmm. content creators we are creative individuals who are creating on it within many disciplines right that's kind of like the idea here but the musical creation is something that i value very highly it's the longest running thing in my life you know it's the thing that i focused on for the most it's the thing that brings me the best feelings and the most uh rare states of ecstasy you know is music yes and so that's what i say yeah sorry continue would you say that that's maybe like that that drive and desire to do music is kind of is what spawned you to do all this other stuff that falls under this term content creation to kind of like create create some sort of space around being able to make more music and reach more people with the actual music and that's why it's so uh enticing to keep creating the content because well i'm doing it to support the music right but it's also a trap is what i'm realizing uh, it's totally because, a trap i have fallen into it and that, i want to talk about that with you yeah as well. <laughs> you just end up you just end up being like i'm going to do this and this will help this will help uh you know i'll this will help give me more financial stability and if i have more financial stability i'll be able to focus more time on my music and this yep. is the story i to- i've told myself for it's been 15 years at least of that. And it was when I, I, I started, when I was living in Brooklyn, uh, I started a, like after college, after going to the, to the new school, I started teaching music again. I had, I had been teaching music before I went to the new school. I took over for my, my, my guitar teacher back home, um, and taught for a few years with Mm -hmm. his students and build on new students. And then I was like, no, I got to go. I want to go to the city. I want to, I want to learn jazz or whatever, (laughs) which Uh is weird. But, uh, and so I, I started, uh, I was in Brooklyn and I started this music lessons company where I had 40 different teachers who, who I knew from, from my connections at school and, and other, you know, just people that I played music with and I knew they were educators and I, and I knew how, how they would teach mostly. And I knew their, their music and what they were into. Like I knew everybody personally somewhat. Right. Mm -hmm. And I put together this group so I would match students 
and teachers. Students would come in, they would complete a form, and they would say, this is what I'm into, and I'd say, well, I think you would fit with this teacher or this teacher, that kind of thing. And so I got into this, and I was thinking to myself, I'm spending too much time just teaching on my own, and I don't have any time for myself to make music, and I would have to do the grind like the dude you you know, the you know the individual you uh, you described where mm-hmm. I'd have to put in hours. My hours were always after work, you know, yeah, um, and a little before. But teaching music tends to be later time, so I often wouldn't get finished teaching until like nine p.m. or eight p.m. or something, and. And then, you know, it would be burning the midnight oil. So I thought, well, I need more time in my life. So I'm going to start this business. And once it gets running, it should be passive enough. uh, And I'll have more time to make music. Well, fast forward six years later, (laughs) and I'm burnt out. Yeah, And I have, I stopped making music because I'm trying to get this thing working. And it's not working. And I wanted to pay teachers like a really... I wanted. To, I paid him the best rate of any of these kind of organizations because uh-huh. I knew what it was like to be a teacher. Well, but that wasn't necessarily enough to keep the business like afloat to be able to really like you know make to get some software developers to make an app to take care of all the the tasks that I was doing manually and everything. Right. So that thing of of being like, well, I'm going to do this so that I can do this. That's the trap. It is. It is. And it's. I was thinking about this the other day because I I am now like about a year and a half out of, I was doing construction when I started the, um, the podcast and yeah. I just absolutely hated it. And I, you know, early hours, long days, totally shitty work culture, just kind of yeah. just, I just, it was not my scene at all. Yeah. And I, you know, I worked really hard to try to angle it to get out of that. But when I was, when I was working, I remember the thing that made me the most like irritable and, and sad about the whole thing was like all this time that I'm wor- at work, I could be at home and I would be getting this done and I'd be getting this done. Mm. So I create this podcast and it starts generating a little bit to where I can supplement my income with this other, I got a job teaching at the actual apprenticeship that I went to. So it's still mm. construction, but it's more in the academic side of it. Yeah. Um, I use the term academic very loosely, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I guess this trap that I fell into is now I, I I set up a situation for myself and it's doubly so with the pandemic just slowing everything down to where I have all this time during the day, you know my days I don't it, when I am teaching I don't do it until the evening so I have all this yeah. time during the day and I'm not getting as much done as what I was lamenting not getting yeah. done in this fantasy yeah. world, you yeah. know. Um, it's, I don't know if that's the exact same thing you're, you're talking about, but it, there there are these weird traps. Like I've, I've recently fallen into the YouTube trap. I'm trying to create, you know, a, a cool video once a week, and and it's just like, uh, and it's like not paying off in the way that I want it to. But I'm also like trying to be patient. But it's kind of like, well, what am I really trying to accomplish with any of and all of this? It's it's weird once you get into it for a while. You actually start questioning. Like, what exactly am I doing and who's it for? That's the important question. You have to ask that because, like, videos. Okay, I would love it if I were able to bang out a video every week like these major let's let's talk about let's mention some of the the YouTube, you know, synth people, you know, Mm -hmm. like 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 Andrew Huang, like um, Red Means Recording, you know, Jeremy Blake, like um, Mm -hmm. um, Div Kid does a lot, you know, like. uh, Mylar Rock. Melodies, all these people, yep. they make, well, maybe Mylar isn't as as prolific as, as them, so uh-huh. he would say that himself, Alex would say that, but like, 
they are able to crank these things out like a business. And I have yet to be able to do that. And so I just at this point make videos when I feel the activation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so it's important to ask yourself that because you're telling yourself, you know, yeah, I need to put these out consistently so that I can gain traction so that people actually start paying attention. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe I'm lucky. Uh, our Benny and I talk about this. I think we, you know, we talk about being kind of lucky in terms of the, the part of the wave that was cresting when we started sharing content around modular synths. Like we were at a time when it was a, such a quick, fastly, quickly increasing bull mm-hmm. market. Like yeah. it, was, it was hot. And there weren't a lot of people doing it. And I had just gotten a modular synth and I was really excited about it. Like literally had just gotten it. I was mm-hmm. weeks into it. And I I was exploring patching with it as as we do, as one does, mm-hmm. right? I was I was just sitting down and I was making little changes and I was listening a lot. I was leaving it on all day. I would come back to it. I would patch a little bit more. I would change some parameters, listen until saturation point, and then step away, do some mundane life, come back to it. I kept, uh, you know, I would build a patch for a while. But then there would be a point when the cycles, like all of the different uh, phasing cycles that I had set up in this, you know, little generative organism, this this brain this the, <laughs> that I had patched up, you know, connected the neurons with like this logical uh-huh. process that I had built when they would all align in such a way that it felt more magical. And then I wanted to capture those magical moments because in a generative patch and you might you, you, you might experience this same thing. I think it's universal with with this approach of, of music when you're not playing like um, you're not running from like a sequencer that is repeatable. Like it's mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when you're phasing like different length uh, phrases together to make the full music, you get these dull moments where they're not aligning quite mm-hmm. as magically and then they come back into alignment depending on all the numbers you're using you know if you're using a lot of i use a lot of like odd numbers right so that it may take like a hundred you know i don't know i'm not the math person but it may uh-huh. take a whole ton of repetitions until everything until all the planets become back in synchrony and so when i would get these moments of 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 synchronous beauty I would want to capture it somehow. And I thought about just recording it, and I did do an audio recording. And then I realized, though, man, I've been watching this guy. This Remember, this is back, like, this is circa 2015. I've been mm-hmm. watching this guy, Richard Devine, and he makes these really cool videos <laughs> on Vimeo. He didn't uh-huh. even have a YouTube at that point, oh, right? Oh, shit, wow. He, was ma- he had these cool videos on Vimeo, and I was like, you know... I've learned from these. He writes little patch notes in the description and I've really learned from this. And I'm like, I want to capture this. Why don't I just see if I can capture that moment on video like he does? So I was really just doing what Richard, you uh-huh. know? Yeah, so, yeah, totally. <laughs> so you capture that and, 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 and there, there it is. And so it started off as, as Vimeo and eventually it caught on. I mean, I did like two or three videos and I remember some, I hadn't heard of them at the time, but it was 
probably what are synthtopia it was probably uh-huh. like synthtopia or the other one that i'm forgetting right now that's similar um they they made like an article on it and put it up or whatever and i don't think it was synthtopia actually it was somebody else that actually wrote uh more of a blog style whatever though uh-huh. they they were like you know here's this video and it started getting a bunch of views and so that was enough like external influence for me to be like, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep doing this. So I kept doing it, and I had like maybe five more videos, and this one piece was like the magic. It was like the best uh-huh. thing that I had made, and that video got up to like ten thousand views on Vimeo, and on Vimeo, that's like kind of big, yeah, right? That's big, yeah. And so at that point, I was like, okay, I might want to start thinking about a YouTube channel because I think I might be able to get more attention on youtube so i started i you know op- i already had a youtube channel from my like personal email address and uh-huh. so i just started putting up videos on that you know and i got like a nice camera you know and it, so it started looking better and i got lights you know mm-hmm. and i started like just upping it and then eventually i opened up the light bath channel because i was like you know this branding of just brian Knoll. people don't know if it's brian Knoll or four hexagons was my like email you know uh-huh. and like so like yeah, and so I start the 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 YouTube kind of just in time, and I was you know Arbeni and I were talking about this, and he already had an, a YouTube at that point, and and he was sort of a, an inspiration for that, and he's like, yeah, just just go for it, and by the, the by the time I got in on that, it was just enough of the momentum where it could easily grow because mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. people back then were super hungry for it. It was so novel, yeah. and I. And I don't know if we're just jaded or what now, but like Austin and I, Austin R. Benny, we'll we'll say like, man, like it's it's just not that anymore, you know. And I'll have students no. who will ask me like, how do I get started on? How do I get going on YouTube? And I sort of go through this long description, not the, not the full history that I just told you all, but right, like, right. you know, like I, I I just say like, well, here's the here's the recipe, but I don't know if it's applicable anymore the way it was in the time that right. I did. That I applied There's it. just some, yeah, I, I think about this a lot and I've been thinking about this a lot recently. It's something that kind of pops in and out of my head when, when I'm thinking about like my goals and, you know, seeing other people where I would like, like to be or whatever that is. Um, yeah. It is, and this is to not diminish anybody's talent or, or work ethic on any level from, you know, small to you know, world, world, uh, famous or anything, but like yeah. there is such a degree of, of luck or right time, right place. Like you were yeah. just, uh, describing in everything, you know, there, 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 are, you know, and, and it's, and that's not just with like success in a career or as an artist or anything. It's like, it's in life too. Like if I hadn't yeah. gone and played this one show, you know, in, in, yeah with my old pop rock band back in like 2011, then I wouldn't have met this person who I then later joined a band with and then played a show with and then met my wife out in front of the show. Yeah. The butterfly effect. It's just like, there's had I not had, what if I had the flu that week, you know, like, and so there's like these weird timing things and it's just like the hard work part of it is true, but I think the hard work is what you have to have. You have to know how to do that once you kind of start gaining some footing because you have to stay consistent. And then I look at it for me with this show, there was a, 
I had when I started recording this, like the episodes before I released any, there had only been one modular podcast. It was called the Modular Podcast. It was you know Ben Ben Wilson, Div Kid, and and someone yeah. else I forgot who. But they stopped doing it. So there's like a couple years of nothing. And then <laughs> Alex beat me to it. He released yeah. after I'd already recorded like five episodes. Alex released yeah. his first Why We Bleep, and I was like, Oh no, he's gonna crush me. But luckily, luckily for me, he only releases once a month. If Alex decided to do a once a week show, my show, I'm convinced, would not be as popular as it is. Mm. So, Alex, if you're listening, thank you for that. But I was just (laughs) in the right right place to to create, um, you know, something that people wanted. People want people like podcasts. Then there wasn't really anything there, and and now there's like. 10 or something like that modular oh, podcasts, wow. and it's awesome because then they can cover the stuff that people were asking me to cover when i first started they're like you should i like what you're doing but you should do this more and i'm like well i don't want to do that yeah, and yeah now somebody else does it and i'm like see i don't have to do it they'll do it <laughs> yeah we all have our own slice you know yeah. it, <laughs> i think it does come down come back to activation again where mm-hmm. You know, we this butterfly effect, right? Life. Like, if I hadn't done this, then this wouldn't happen, and I wouldn't be here. It. We do. If we follow that activation, if we follow that that feeling, then we are totally into it, and we're going to do it, and we're going to go for it. And I tend to believe that that is our compass. That's our mm-hmm. navigation tool for where to go, even if it doesn't fully make sense. And so. If you're not, to bring it back to this now, if you're not activated on making a YouTube video every week and it feels like a grind, it's probably not the thing to do because I was not activated when I was doing that music lessons company and I, I, I accomplished a lot, but ultimately I had to throw it all away and it started to feel like a waste of six years because mm. I was doing it for another reason. I was doing it for something else. I wasn't yeah. doing it for it. And so it's about finding the thing that you do just for it and then doing it in a way so that it, 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 it actually fits in with the, the cogs of time, of the time wave that we're on. And it, and it, and it can actually surf to shore. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I'm just in this weird, like the, like what I'm doing with, with music and, you know, from my artistic side, it is not enough to support me fully financially. And yeah. that would be really nice. That would be my goal. So, but however, like I do not want to, I'm not going to try to do something because I think it's going to get me there. I would rather get there because what I'm doing is something that people like. Yeah. But I do sometimes feel that pull like, well, maybe I should try to do more stuff like this, but I don't, I don't have that activation to do it. Like, like a, like a camera shot of my modular synth and doing a demo on a particular module. It's like, I, that's not where I shine. And there's people out there who do it much better than me. Like, why am I trying to like edge in on their thing? You know? So I'm trying to find my own my own thing and just hope that it works out. But it, you do feel that kind of temptation to be like, especially when you're kind of teetering on a point where you're like, well, I, I'm not far off from there. I could be there soon if this and this and this happens, but distractions. Yeah. <laughs> they're distractions. It's, it's, it's seriously. Yeah. I'll compare myself to others. I'll see somebody being successful at doing something mm-hmm. and then I'll be like, Oh wait, did have, am I on the wrong track? You know, it's, should I have been on that track, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I think 
that is also very dangerous and that totally it's not it's bad for really you. yeah it's just you got you got to generate it inside but i do think there is a certain amount of i, I think marketing skills yeah, I, I don't know. That's uh-huh. at least one of that's part of my toolbox. That's one of the tools. It's one of the important tools in my toolbox is is sorting out how to present something for the greatest impact, mm-hmm. which I so, am terrible at. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, then what? Then that means that means probably uh, don't focus on that. Don't even try to do it. Right. That's like, kind it, of where I'm at. Yeah. Like yeah. until like unless I could. I think also like if I if I somehow fell into a working relationship with somebody where they could like it could be a mutually beneficial yeah. relationship or I could compensate them monetarily for their help yeah. or something like that I would I would be into that I'm not there right now and I wouldn't want to just force something like that but as it stands right now I just don't see myself getting good at that because and and it's weird because when I see other people doing it, I don't I don't judge them. I don't think any ill thoughts. All I all I see is you know like the the intended thing, like they're they're successful. But when I try to do it, I just beat myself up mentally and and like I don't know if it's because I kind of grew up on punk rock or something, but it's like you mm. self promoting is really hard for me, and I, I judge myself pretty harshly for it. It's it's mm. it's it's. But I know it's I know I'm doing that. It's this weird like limbic brain versus the you know the the prefrontal cortex like that the ongoing battle you know <laughs> well it almost sounds like a a a potential breakthrough just waiting to happen then if you've even mm-hmm. identified it to that point where it's kind of like the self sabotage thing that's that's happening because of because of doubt like um I, w- I i like to think that i have the ability to overcome the things that I don't do or can't do because of doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like doubt versus skill. Like if, do I not actually have the skills or have I maybe not been able to develop the skills for the thing because of the doubt? So mm-hmm. it, am I able to address the doubt in some way that allows me to, begin to grow in that i mean the whole thing my my whole like approach with life is like there there are growth opportunities and and just wherever there's an apparent growth opportunity it it seems like it can be beneficial to lean into it granted Definitely. i mean i guess it's not like a growth opportunity buffet where like you can just sample <laughs> everything because you kind of do have to lean enough into a thing to be able to make it through it otherwise possibly sampling all of the growth opportunities and only doing them a little is probably another form of avoidance you're yeah. probably not going to make it anywhere with right. those things either and i think this stuff's gradual like these like i think i think you you put it really nicely with these like like how you said, maybe there's a breakthrough. Um, I mean, I don't, I can't sit here on, on this show and say that like, I don't do any self-promotion or I can't do self-promotion, you know, like obviously I've, I've, I'm able to do it to a certain extent to, you know, to where I am right now. And I, and I think I've seen that, like, I, I, I know what I've, I've found this weird line, but I do feel like I'm on the verge of maybe a breakthrough with it of like, well, I know I need to do this. And this judgment that I'm casting on myself isn't warranted. So I kind of push through and, and I think that's, it's, I think that leaning into it is, is a really good just kind of philosophy for a lot of different things that are kind of, you know, it, it's like a fear 
or something, you know, like if you're, if you're worried that you're not good enough at this or that, like, or even if you're dealing with anxiety or something, like just try actually like leaning into it. And it's, it's kind of like a, maybe it's like a exposure therapy type <laughs> type yeah. thing is like, cause you know, like if you're, if you're just like, I think about like mental pain, like depression or something, if you're constantly mentally wincing, then you're tight, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're in retreat. And if you're retreating from that, it's going to just keep chasing you. So there's like this thing of like, of like, well, I'm just going to dive into it and see what it really is. Um, Facing the demons. Like, just yeah, right. it's the only way, like they'll always chase you. So you have to, you have to, you have to actually face it. I know the, the imposter syndrome bit, you know, you sort oh, of alluded yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of one of my uh, reasons for putting off speaking in, you know, long form conversation podcasts, you know, mm-hmm. like I was just like, <laughs> it's like, well, who am I? Come on. What, what do I have to say? Right, right. And so when I'm <laughs> feeling like I've, when I'm feeling creatively activated, I'm going to use this throughout. We might as well call this t- a title, like soft title this, this episode activation. <laughs> but when I'm feeling creatively activated and maybe I've just accomplished something that I can be like, hey, that that worked. I really feel good about that. Then I can build up this feeling and I can talk about it and I can feel pretty good. But when I've just had some series of, you know, fail, let's call them failures, but that maybe that's a little too harsh. But, you know, the not success feels like a failure. Yeah I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm it's recently ha- in the midst of that, but it's not an actual failure. It's a failure that I'm putting on the circumstances that just are. There's really no, like that value that they don't you can't put that value on the actual circumstances but because the success isn't there yet right right doesn't mean it's a failure <laughs> right that's the i don't know if that's where you're going with that well but yeah that's, but i mean that's that I and what's the metric like what is the actual metric that you're using and like did you have fun doing it is it cool yeah. are you proud of yes. it well yeah that's pretty damn good nice so exactly yeah, it's so hard with what what is what is happening here with content and uh, likes and views. Oh my god! And yeah. these external reflections of of our creations. And uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not really sure. Life Bath was born in that. You know, I was making mm-hmm. these videos that I would make a creation, I would make this patch, and I would be unsure about it. There would be some patches where I'd just be like, yeah, this is, this is the banger, you know, not that there's really mm-hmm. a, such a thing as a light bath banger, but you know what I mean? This is like the, <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. like the one, this, I'm, I'm uh-huh. this is the zone. And some, some that I'd be like, you know, I don't know about this piece, but it was actually because I had, had gained this momentum and I had this external support system in a way, I would share it. And when I would notice a bunch of likes coming in on Instagram or something like that, I would compare that piece with another piece and I'd be like, oh, people actually like this one more than the other one. Yep. And so it, whether that's false or not, and I, I have some things to say about that, but I would, I would get that and it would sort of help to actually bolster my confidence and, and such that I, start, I got to the point where I would just make a piece and whether I love it or am indifferent about it, it's the piece I made and I'm going to put it out there. And mm-hmm. so 
over time, I got confident enough that I was like, I can at least make something decent. You know, I don't know if decent is the best word for it, but like Uh medium, you know. Acceptable. Yeah, acceptable. (laughs) Yeah, sure. You know, and so that's okay. And then I would know when some of them are really amazing. But here's here's another one of the traps. If I were to make a piece that was a medium, a solid medium, uh-huh. <laughs> and I were to have another piece that was like an 11, you know, on a scale of uh-huh. 1 to 10. And the first piece, the medium, was shot beautifully and framed amazingly, and the colors and the, everything just looked great. And it was maybe a new angle or a new something. Like in my feed, it looked different, and really grabbed your attention. And then that piece that was an 11, that the music was amazing, was kind of like another, like, blah uh, representation of, of, you know, the camera was just kind of the way all the other stuff had been, and maybe the lighting mm-hmm. wasn't the best, and so it's a little grainy, and it's a little flat, and there's not a lot of shadows and light. The piece that looked better would perform better. So I started to realize that in this visual content creation world of, you know, Instagram and YouTube... If the piece looks amazing, it's going to get a bunch of likes. So you can't value your own musical creation based on how many likes it is because it's so much more complex than that. Totally. Yeah, I've just... So I recently... I went to Yellowstone. So right before Mm. I went to Yellowstone, I got like this battery, the Polyend Anywhere, so I can run a very small synth off of a USB battery. Yes, I usually love it. Yeah, it's super fun. And so I, I and I bought a you know a, a Lumix a, a Lumix uh, GX eighty five like a decent sure. camera for shooting video, a um, micro four so, thirds. Yeah, giant. yeah, and it does yeah. a great job for you know for what it is. And you know, got DaVinci Resolve, and I've just like got super stoked on doing these. I was like, I'm gonna go shoot these videos in Yellowstone. Yeah, and I did. I shot four. I did them right in front of the Tetons, right in front of a sleeping oh, wow. buffalo that wakes up and rolls around. Wow. Um, one in front of a geyser that eventually erupts. Uh, I still want to visit there someday. I've oh, it's been. it's phenomenal. Um, two guy, I did two geyser performances, and I'm thinking to myself, like these are gonna fucking these are gonna be what I need to launch my YouTube. Um, and there's a couple that like the musical piece. I'm not super stoked on, but it's what I made when I was there, and it's like, yes. well, I'm I'm out in the freaking woods here. Like I can only do so yes. much. It's a transcription um, of your experience in that right, moment. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I don't think any of them are actual representations of how, you know, like what I even like to make as a synthesis, you know, that's kind yeah. of what I had at the time. But um, yeah. definitely like the one that got the most views is not the best piece of music. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm just noticing that to be the case with like all, I'm doing a lot of these remote performances. I've been going around Washington State doing them and I'm trying to shoot actual video to intersperse with it so it's not just a static shot. You know, yeah. trying to make like little short films and stuff. And the ones that I think are hands down the best, like don't necessarily perform the best. And I've also noticed that again with the timing thing, it's not even, I've noticed that it doesn't seem to be correlated with how good it looks because they all kind of look same quality or like how good the piece of music is. But it's like, what time of day on what day did I release and how many people happen to be on? Yeah, that too. And <laughs> I think, uh, I also think what happened before it in your own feed and what happened after, or totally, not after, yeah. I guess you can't go into the future, but like it, right. it's what preceded it. Because when I post something that is novel in all ways, it gets a ton of 
attention compared to when I'm posting the same thing. I could have a beautiful video, but if I just posted another beautiful video beforehand, it might not engage the algorithm the same way. So it's it's like things have changed. But to to bring back where you were you were getting with um you're you're in a space, you're in a beautiful natural space and you're making a piece of music and you're not quite sure if that's, you know, really your your best thing that you've done. Mm-hmm. You don't really, you know, you you've made better Believe it or not, I felt that way about my arcology piece. Uh-huh. And arcology at this point, because of its visual and its uniqueness and the fact that it was like it got a boost from Pitchfork like it's like a year later or six months later, it <laughs> it now is like up to like, I don't know, 400,000 views or something like that, which, which is my most viewed video. And I think my pretty much my channel rides on that. Like, you know, uh-huh. I, it's like it's it's very important. Um, and th- when I had finished that piece, I didn't necessarily think it was all that great. Mm-hmm. I was feeling amazing that entire day because I was at Arcosanti, which was beautiful. But I, I had spent the whole day interviewing people and filming it because this was my trade for um, for Arcosanti, which. I hate to admit, I have yet to finish that project because I didn't shoot enough B-roll to be able to make a good documentary. So I shelved it and I keep meaning to do it. But whatever, that's a side note. So I had spent the whole day shooting all this like documentary stuff, meeting with the guy that runs the place and a bunch of other people there. And also making a mandala piece. I used to make like little like OP1 mandala things like with natural like sort of inspired by andy goldsworthy the the um natural artist the artist who would use uh natural objects from the environment to create some sort of sometimes a mandala sometimes a hole sometimes a spiral like any kind of mm-hmm. land art in a way um natural art a brilliant um brilliant artist so worth looking into and it's worth uh, watching the old documentary Rivers and Tides, where he talks about time and the experience of time at, through the metaphor of the river, the flow of time, and also of the tide, of the sort of the sine wave of, mm-hmm. uh, of time. So it's, it's, it's a brilliant um, thing. And, and also the guitarist, um, Fred Frith, uh, scored it. And it's a beautiful score that has some like Reichian, like sort of Steve Reich elements okay. to it. So awesome. I'd spent, I had spent really the whole... Oh, it is. It's, it's amazing. So I had spent the whole day like working on those two projects and that mandala piece that I made, like I, I used a bunch of shards of the clay, um, uh, the things that they make there. And so it just took forever and the sun was beginning to set by the time I was finishing that piece. And I'm like, I am not leaving Arcosanti without having filmed the modular piece that I came here to do. <laughs> so the sun was setting and it was my last day. And I, I, so I was running literally like to pack up everything, ran back to the, the little place where I was staying, um, whatever they call the little, I can't remember. It's not a cabin, but you know what I mean? Little uh-huh. desert dwelling that you stay in and ran over to the highest point in Arcosanti because I knew the higher I get, the more sun, the more sunset. <laughs> yeah, I have. So I went to the top of the arches, and oh, nice. the, uh, the yeah, and so it's it was amazing. So I got up there and I set up the camera as fast as possible. So if you look at the video, like the perspective is a little off, the geometry is not quite on, mm-hmm. but it was it was the best I could do. I faced it toward the sunset, and I literally just hit record and the sequence that was already in the monom in the in, in ansible in the grid was there 
and I just started playing, and I had one take, and I just and it was did just it. all aligned for you, and it worked. But it wasn't. I, remember, I didn't feel great about it. I was right, like, "Well, right. that worked. Good enough. Glad I did it. Took it home, and then listened back to it. You know, after because I was traveling. You know, and I took once I was back on the East Coast, like a little while later, I listened uh-huh. back to it, and I was like, "Oh, it's okay." Let me see what I can do with this. And I did some mixing because I multi-track. I record uh-huh. when I'm out there. I record with this like sound devices mixer. Back then, I guess it was a, a Zoom version, but you know, little mm-hmm. eight-track recorder. So I had multi-tracks of all the different parts. So I was able to. Um, I didn't do any editing, but I I just was just able to sweeten everything and yeah. get it feeling a little bit better. And now, in hindsight, I love that vibe. I love the sound of it, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's great. Uh, but you know, it sometimes just takes time to be able to reflect, I think, on some things that are that are made, on creation. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And and I think with the time, like you said, like Pitchfork picks something up like six or some, you know, six or so months later, I'm, I'm thinking that too. I'm like, well, what am I in a hurry for? What am I like, like, let's just put this here. And if it is, you know, a handful of people will enjoy it or a bunch of people will enjoy it. But if, you know, somebody's going to enjoy it and, and it's going to be there for a long time. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm kind of ranting now, I feel like, but, um, <laughs> yeah, well, we both are, I, I get into, I mean, I'm full on I will, ranting and t- Speaking of timing and we are talking about you, like, like, I'm glad that this happened when it did. Um, because I've been also thinking a lot to myself, like I start every podcast by asking the guests the same question. And, and I know that everybody has a different answer so that, you know, it doesn't make it the same episode, but I've been feeling a little stagnant in my interviewing style. And I've been wanting to get more, you know, like personal and conversation-y and have things kind of unfold organically. And I feel like we just we're doing it. So, oh yeah, that's my style, man. I, yeah, I'm not so good at answering questions and doing, you know, I just, it's, I just talk and I, I love to talk. I used to get in trouble in, in elementary school for talking to my neighbors. Like the thing I got in trouble for the most, like nonstop was that fortunately I was a good student and I cared about my most of my teachers there was one teacher who was just a mess and i i lost respect for her but other than yeah. <laughs> that particular teacher i cared about my teachers enough in the relationship that if they you know if i got in trouble for talking i'd be okay i'll stop but i just can't i would forget again you know and yeah, it's yeah, all about yeah, communication I'm so i just totally yeah, <laughs> i just love the flow you know so yeah <laughs> so did, where did you do grow up in new york on the east coast I grew up in the East Coast in Pennsylvania, yeah. In Pennsylvania. Um, okay. But I I didn't make it to, to to New York until I decided to go to my like second run of college. Okay, um, you know I was sort of in um, in that Pennsylvania Maryland area mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for a good long while. I went to my first. Um, well, the college thing was kind of like I mean I sort of went. I started going to a local college while I was in high school and then went to another college and, and then finally um, went to a, a sort of a music school in, in um, Shepherdstown, West Virginia. And that was the beginning of my musical kind of thing. And then, and then I realized, well, this musical school, they, they want me to play... They want me to play the classy guitar. Now, I say, I'm saying classy because, <laughs> I mean classical, but I heard this term. I got an email from uh, someone who wants to study with me, and um, they're in the band Why. I don't know if you know the band Why. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, why question mark, you know? And, yeah. um, and they called 
the guitar, the classical guitar, the classy guitar. And I'm like, <laughs> I am using that. It's yeah, I don't so think I'm going to go back to classical now. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, so that, you know, they wanted me to learn that and I had never played it before. And I just thought like, this is ridiculous for me to now at this point try to spend all of my college time learning the simple technique of... Of, of getting a sound on the instrument, like the right hand and the way you like move from your biggest joint and stuff. Like all of this stuff felt like a waste when I wanted to go in a different direction. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to a college, a music school that doesn't require classical guitar. And there were only two of them that were nearby that I knew of. And that was, um, or three. There was Berkeley in Boston. There was New England Conservatory in Boston that I had found out about because I was into Mineski, Martin, and Wood back in the mm-hmm. day. And um, th- some of them had studied. I think maybe John Mineski had studied there, I think. And, um, and then the new school in New York. And I applied not to Berkeley because... I had visited once and sort of didn't, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever had happened, the circumstances of that trip just led me to not go in that direction. And then I, I auditioned at New England Conservatory and um, pretty much bombed the audition. It was really <laughs> bad and it was, a, it was a traumatic, scarring experience. Uh-huh. Granted, I made it into being the fifth person. They, they take four people. And oh. they put me on the fifth place um, as like a waiting list. Uh-huh. But so then I was like, okay, I'm going to audition at the new school, but the new school allows me to submit a recording. So now I can just like play music with local people when I'm in a good headspace and see if I get in. And I got in. So I oh, ended up going yeah, there. That's so much that's better circumstances. Yeah. So that's New York. The, um, but I've been on the East Coast for, for much of my life, uh, only having visited. Um, either this is all like playing gigs, flying in and flying out all aside. I visited the West Coast in the beginning of 2018, right after that, soon after that arcology video, like that time. Okay. Um, it was a huge time in my life where I had, I had just gone through a divorce and like everything got turned around. I was business partners with my wife at the time. And this is when I like just, it's the Phoenix, right? Uh-huh. Like I, I was yeah. in flames at that time. And, and so at the beginning of 2018, January 2018, I was just ashes. And my friend uh, Joe, who runs uh, Plant Wave, formerly known as Midi Sprout. Okay. Um, you know, it's the device that you clip on to a plant uh-huh. and it takes the yeah. electrical signals and translates it into musical information that can be used on a synth or in a DAW or anything like that. So plant wave is like the new um, iteration of that. That's like wireless okay. and, and better and smaller and a, a better battery. And it's, it's, it's about to be released. Like it's like literally right now, it's probably going to be out in like a week or something. Oh, nice. Um, or, you know, with before the end of the year, I think. And so Joe was like, Hey, I'm going to be in Bali for a month. You want to just come out? Uh, and oh, uh, and house sit in Venice Beach. And oh, nice! So I was like, uh, yeah, you know, I I felt the activation, right? I was like, uh-huh, this uh-huh. is so exciting. I can do a road trip. I don't have anything going on right now because after the divorce, I I like moved back to my hometown, and I was just like, I need to incubate. You know, I yeah, just need to totally. like allow myself to heal. I have to have no. Um, huge like deadlines and things that are going to distract me from this healing process. And, mm-hmm. you know, I ended up going out to um, 
Arcosanti because I was going to this like men's retreat, something I had never done before that like terrified me to spend yeah. like a weekend with other men like talking about our feelings and crying and stuff, you know, right, right. <laughs> like, um, which is basically what ended up happening. But it was like such a transformative experience. Uh, I then right after it uh, ended up, you know, going north of there to uh to Arcosanti and then that led to that and that's sort of that magical thing that you were talking mm-hmm. about like you played this one show somewhere that led you to this led you to this and now your you know your primary relationship and like your band and all this kind of stuff comes whatever the life stuff butterfly effect flowers out of this one choice of following your heart or or just going with the flow or just chance or luck or whatever it is right so you know beginning in 2018 I got to I got to visit the West Coast and man it was such an amazing trip I you know I was in LA in January um I had our Benny come down and he uh we went to Nam together and that was so much fun mm-hmm. and and just to to hang with to hang with him and and more of the Bay Area crew and then I went up to Portland I got while I was in LA I got this offer of um another friend was like wait you're on the west coast what are you doing on the west coast and then she was like well you know my studio in portland is unoccupied for the next two months and i was oh, like shit. okay <laughs> so i spent two months house sitting right after that in oh portland at an actual studio awesome like a recording studio like you oh know? my god Pardon my interruption, but I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to everybody who supports me on Patreon. It truly means a lot, and uh, it helps to keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podular Modcast. And if you would like to help, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. The link is in the show description. Um, I would very much appreciate the support. Um, Without you, Patreon supporters, I, I literally couldn't live the life that I'm living right now. I would have to switch things up, and uh, I don't want to switch things up. I like how things are going, so thank you so much. Um, You allow me to have these great conversations every week and uh, bring you the the latest and new modular gear and everything, and I'm trying to... um, you know, up my game in, in exclusive content. So if you have any ideas about what, what you'd like to see on the Patreon, uh, let me know. Once again, that's patreon.com forward slash modular modcast. Okay, let's finish this conversation. And so this recording studio, that's where I shot all the Loom videos. Because at that point, I was holding on to um, marbles, plats, and stages, right? Uh-huh. They, they weren't released yet. And Mutable had sent them to me like in December. Like December's where my life blew open. It literally <laughs> after I went to that retreat and broke open, everything started happening. And that's when Light Bath actually started really like picking up, I think. And at that point, that's when Mutable was like, hey, we have some new stuff. Do you want, do you want to see them? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Three <laughs> modules? Are you kidding me? And, and it was also the thing we had been, we had been like, text conversing about uh-huh. what turned into marbles for like two years prior you know oh, nice. like sent, sending um back and forth like um uh just 
ideas, you know? Yeah, well, what if um, it did this? Oh, yeah, that's cool, but what if we added this Yeah, like, it? what are you into? Yeah. What do you like about musicological processors? Like, mm-hmm. what do you like about quantizers? Like, you know, and, and these kind of things. And well, what if this happened? What if this happened? That, you know, so it's great to see it as a real thing. So I'm in this beautiful studio. That's why, like, the Loom videos look so good, and there's, like, that leather sofa in the background and the bookcase. And Is that where your this... stuff from Patch CV was filmed? Yes, <laughs> and at the same time, okay. Patch CV is like, we're making a documentary. We want to come film you. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm in the right spot. You should come. And they're like, we're right there. I was going to say, I was like, man, that, that looks like a sweet spot. <laughs> I wish I lived there. I so miss that time. This this studio was adjacent or was actually attached to but it, this house in um, Lake Oswego in uh, near southeast or southwest of Portland. Mm-hmm. And it's this family who aren't really musical, but they huh. are of the Baha'i faith Uh and they have community is so important um with as as baha'i and just as 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 people you know Uh for them for their family and so they have events at their beautiful home uh and you know in fact while i was there rain wilson from Uh the office yeah he's baha'i and he did a talk on baha'i and he asked, like, hey, I heard you play the synthesizer. Do you want to, like, open? Do you want to, like, play some music before I go on? So I literally opened for Rain Wilson. Because <laughs> he, like, lives That's... in Seattle, I think. He lives, he, you I know, think, so he yeah, came. Yeah, I think so. Or yeah, he's so from he came, here or something. Yeah, right. So he came down to Portland for that. And I played some music. And he would refer to me throughout the, um, the event as... DJ light bath, you know, to be funny. <laughs> uh-huh. And because every time I'd be like, no, 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 it's just light bath, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so he kept jabbing me, you know? And so there was this uh, friend and colleague of his up in the, um, like the mezzanine area of this, um, this beautiful living room where the, the talk was being held. And up there, was this, this guy has like multiple doctorates and, and has, has written, um, you know, is an, is an author, uh, on, on all things Baha'i. And so he would jab at him occasionally too, being like doctor so-and-so. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and so, so by the end of the talk, he concludes and he says, and then again, I'd like to thank DJ Lightbath. And I say, <laughs> no, 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 that's doctor. I got to one-up Rain Wilson. It was amazing. And it ended on that. And it was beautiful. So, And this was while you were staying there? This is while I was staying there. They they saw it sort of as a residency. Because my Uh friend, um, who, this was, uh, her her name's Kelly Snook. She used to work uh, in the, I think it was the lunar program at NASA. And she moved over to wanting to do music, you know, following her passion more and and not doing, you know, the the other, you know, the thing that that facilitates the passion, just like go to the passion. And so she ended up working with Imogen Heap. She uh-huh. ended up, uh, she was living in, um, what is Imogen in, in London or something? Or was she in I'm not Brighton? Sure. I don't remember. But whatever the case, she was working as like a studio manager for her for a while. And Kelly came up with this, these gloves that are gestural musical controllers. So okay. kind of think like the power glove from Nintendo, uh-huh. <laughs> but uh-huh. way more advanced and fine, finely attuned. And you can make a gesture that is a custom gesture that the individual 
you know, the musician chooses. And you map this all to different kinds of MIDI CCs and notes and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And you can control music. And so there's a TED Talk out there where Imogen, he demonstrates these gloves. You know, she does a performance. And so Kelly and this team, she led this team that developed these gloves. And so that was one of her sort of music and science kind of inner media you know that that mm-hmm. the, the 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 interplay between those two disciplines her creation there and after that she's her latest thing that she's kind of been chewing on for the last couple of years is to take the work of johannes kepler in okay. the music of the spheres and kepler apparently I, I know very little even though she sent me a few books that i have yet to read of <laughs> on Kepler, but it, when when planets uh, they they used to think the planets were were circles, uh-huh. and Kepler was like, no, they're ellipses. Like that's Kepler was really important, you know, uh-huh. like back in the day. And so, but Kepler has a lot of deep, um, more esoteric sort of uh, sort of stuff going on, where with it, including the Platonic solids and and all sorts of stuff. And she's using planetary orbit data from nasa to sonify it into music and so she has this project called the kepler kepler concordia um and it's um again it's it's not fully off the ground she's still just you know working on and everything but it's she's brilliant so this is kelly and she teaches uh in the at the university of brighton i guess pre pre-COVID time, you know, uh-huh. was teaching there, spending half of the half of the year in the UK and half of the year in Portland. So she was not there and she rents this studio from the people that own this house. And so the people in the house regarded it, at, for me, as a residency, basically. Okay, okay, that's awesome. And so that's how I was there, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, I'm glad that came up because I wanted to ask about the, the Patch CV stuff. There was mm-hmm. just like a handful of questions I wanted to ask, and I just sure. that I just wanted, to, but I actually don't even have a question formed. I just wanted to tell you that I think, may I don't know, I don't like saying favorites, my favorite part of a movie, but I think yeah. one of the things that really stands out in memory for me from Patch CV the film, which is so well done, um, yeah. is is that video of you playing and realizing that you're playing that that Phoenix song at yes. this point in your life and everything, like just. I guess that was just such a cool thing to uh, to share with everybody. So yes. yeah, thanks. That's for that. right. That was I, awesome. I'm so happy you brought that up. I had forgotten that I there is one other time where I've publicly communicated that. And mm-hmm. yeah, that event was a Synths in the Catskills event, the second Synths in the Catskills that I had basically done. It mm-hmm. was the cabin in the Catskills that I resided at during the split with uh-huh. my wife at the time and we were to be living there but um you know everything sort of just you know fell apart at that time uh-huh. and it was right during it was literally on the day of during the time of the great american eclipse oh really literally when the eclipse was happening was the moment when we uh when we turned the corner when we disengaged the, wow. the union and so uh-huh. it things were feeling very magical at that, that, that time but i was completely broken open and that's when i made um eclipse preparation 
That mm-hmm. was the first piece on Selected Public Works 3. And uh, that was sort of that, uh-oh, shit's about... To, uh, I forget, do you... Do people swear on your... Um, do we yes. keep this explicit? Or, okay. No, no, they're um, swearing aloud. <laughs> okay, great. So, yeah, shit's about to get intense. Like, I had just entered into the portal, right? Uh-huh, and so that uh-huh. piece happened, and I was getting ready for the um, the Sense in the Catskills event, and that was the first time I got to meet Emily Sprague in person after having been talking for a while. Mm-hmm. And... So we got to play, and I also got to meet um, the Monome creators. I got to meet Ten. I got to meet Brian and Kelly and Eiffel, and, and it was just such a beautiful uh, event. And so I ended up choosing to play last because it was my event. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so right. Ten had just played a set, and he was demonstrating such skill and agility with the Monome ecosystem. He uh-huh. was using two grids, one of them with Crea and another on MLR in the computer, because this is pre-Norn's days. Mm -hmm. And he was just flying around the grid, playing it like a guitar. You know, not literally a guitar, but playing it like an instrument, right? Uh Being agile with it. There were no, like, saved sequences that I could tell exactly, like maybe some, but he was really just changing sequences and playing different notes and putting in different patterns, very often very short patterns. Um, In fact, there's a video on Vimeo that I had given to him that he put up on his Vimeo of that performance. And you can see him. I took the video. I was just standing next to him in the dark, you know, and so the video Uh quality is not the great, not the greatest, but it's a little grainy, but you can see him doing this. It's so worth watching, um, just to see him dance around this stuff. But so I had, he played this amazing set and I was floored by it. And I'm like, I have to go on. I have to follow this, you know? But I I was, (laughs) well, yeah, but I was so broken open by this experience. I was Mm -hmm. like, fuck it. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters here. Like this shit is not like I, I had been in such dark places of, of uncertainty and doubt and fear and sadness and mourning over the past however like two weeks or something or week and a half like not even not much time since since that you know since everything went down that Mm. that the fear of going on after 10 was nothing because it's all it's all perspective you know totally yeah i've I've had experiences where it's just like it's so harrowing that the thing that would have stressed me out beforehand was was easy and you can take that with you a little bit i think i think so I think yeah. that's important. I think that's the key to, um, I think that's where, w- what happens with, with me and my own uh, experience of, of anxiety and depression is, is my perspective needs a recalibration. 100%, yeah. You know what's odd is, um, I, I mentioned it on last week's episode in the intro, but this is, I, I, I deal with anxiety and depression as well. Um, yeah. And one of my anxieties uh, and just sources of depression is just like, it's not so much the fear of being dead, but like, the, like just like the fear of dying and just like, just very death centric a lot of the time, mm. unfortunately. And mm. um, last week my uncle passed away and I went mm. over and I actually, I had to help move his body to the gurney because we couldn't get the gurney in the room. Cause my, my parents are actually, they're funeral directors. So they picked him up oh, and wow. I was not expecting to have to do that. 
Um, and I thought it would freak me out. And um, it was a very strange and powerful experience. But since then, it's only been like a week, but I feel like my perspective and fear of my own death and other, pe- and, you know, other people I love's death has, has definitely morphed into a less scary thing because I was like face to face with it in a weird, oh, in a way, you know, like. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a very, very powerful experience. Um, but we yeah. You can't like, design those things, you know. No, you can't. Absolutely it's, not. It's like the run up to it, the. Um, to use a word, Corey Allen used one of these where he said the pilgrimage that <laughs> goes towards something like, you know, someone like a wedding or something was his, was his example. Just like the things that lead people to transform it, transformative experiences in life, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and totally. it all worked and oh, you can, you can, you can so thank your uncle right. for, yeah giving you that like your last gift yeah this postmortem gift yeah it was like it was like an honor to do this thing that at the time felt very much like when i describe it because your brain you have to switch gears a little bit it almost became like a like moving a piece of furniture because we had to figure out how to move this guy my uncle and my dad and i you know and yeah um yeah but afterwards and like after doing it and everything i feel like a, a sense of like like honor doing it, which is, yeah. which is kind of strange. Um, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like I just played that card and do, and maybe <laughs> derailed, <laughs> derailed. No, us it's there, great. But, um, I know. I love it. I, I, I want to say even more about, about, about death. I have a, a, a connect, the connection to the death process in my life is very, strong it's been a part of my life all throughout this phoenix thing we were talking about is Mm -hmm. the death process i was going through a death at that point when i was born the cord was wrapped around my neck and i wasn't breathing they had to resuscitate me so Mm -hmm. my experience of entering into this world is one of 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 losing it yeah and then finding my way back of struggle and loss yeah. and you know temporary death you know however however short it was i i don't know you know yeah. but uh so my relationship all throughout has been that and I, and i'm a first degree i think it's first degree um scorpio like i'm on the cusp i'm on the first uh-huh. day of scorpio and scorpio is about that too like that's the you know everything about about my life has been these 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 catastrophic losses that then regenerate new the real new good stuff Mm -hmm. and so i don't well i i fear death i think in the same way that uh any biological you know entity does because it's just in there and i don't think we can get away from some of that dna you know that 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 inner programming that's just that's just from generations you know the um the epigenetic programming Mm -hmm. of 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 the fear of of death but on other levels, on more, um, I, I don't even know what to call those levels, but on other levels, I don't really fear death as much. And I think I have to thank this constant smaller deaths yep. in my life and the reinforcement that there is always regeneration after and, it, and it's better and it gets better. 
Definitely. Yeah. I, I always describe like, you know, like basically I, I feel like every, every negative feeling and negative behavior can be boiled down to fear, which every fear I think can be boiled down to a fear of death. And it's either the death of, uh, your ego, the death of your actual body, or like the death of you as a member of society. I feel like those are like the three different categorizations and, and whatever degree you, ex you experience the ones before the real death, definitely. Um, they, that's how you form as a person and grow. I think, um, I don't know. I, I was, I had kind of like a, a stint with like getting into Tibetan Buddhism for a while. And I just, I really like the idea that like the whole the whole point of your practice or your approach to life should be attempting to achieve a state where you can die with grace when the time yeah, comes. Yeah, preparing for death. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It, yes. I think a lot of people think that sounds really morbid, but to me, yeah. it's to me, it's it's empowering and beautiful. I don't know. Yes, but, you know, and and and, and dreams, you mm -hmm. know, and like um, getting comfortable with the interface between waking and sleeping and the transition yeah yeah, yeah is another little headed death. towards yeah is that who was isn't something called little deaths oh no that's the orgasm that's yeah i think that's deaths. what french call orgasm <laughs> yeah yeah i was thinking it was the the dream thing but e even so though well but that's that's so much um quicker that there's not as much of a transition right usually. right but, i think um, i think they talk about dreams being kind of I, I could be off on this but i think there's i think there's an idea of dreams being kind of like what it will be like in the the state between incarnations in yeah yeah so like you're you ha knowing how to navigate that is is going to pay off when it's you don't want to end up in the realm yes. of hungry ghosts Yes, yes. I I haven't studied too much Tibetan Buddhism, but I once played music with uh, a friend of mine, um, Aaron Schrag, who plays um, trumpet and shakuhachi. And oh, nice. we were part of this theater production in New York where we set up this outdoor um, performance at um, somewhere on the Lower East Side. There is actually a small old cemetery that you wouldn't even believe it and it's it's like in a courtyard around because there's just buildings everywhere uh -huh. and we set up in there and we did this version of the tibetan book of the dead um uh -huh. as it's uh, you know to, to paraphrase the, the the full title or whatever um uh, that is made for reading aloud and so i got to hear a little bit of that kind of thing so in other words the the, the hungry ghost bit i i do remember a little bit of that from that but um just in terms of music it was fun because we were improvising the score and we awesome. just got together for a few times with the people doing the production and just sorted out the kinds of things we would do and it was it was just like me on guitar and effects. This is like pre-modular time, on guitar and effects, and 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 Aaron on his uh, shakuhachi and trumpet and effects. And I think there was like a percussionist, and that was it. That and sounds so like it was, yeah. There's something about yeah. improvisation, and especially I think in in um, modular that 
I think kind of clicked with me at the same time as I was really clicking with like these Tibetan ideas. And you brought up mandalas earlier. I, I like to yeah. describe a patch as a mandala, you know, you get it all built together and put together and then you wipe it clean when it, when you're done yes. with it, you know? Um, oh, it is. That's great. It's, it so is. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and it's, I've said this before and this is kind of my imposter syndrome, you know, me being hard on myself. But I I do believe it that I think that there's a there's a level there's a there's something going on when when patching for me anyways because pre pre modular I recorded everything and I I would release I was very prolific I was I I would record something and release it well getting into modular I didn't want to release stuff that I had recorded or didn't want to release what I was making because I just wasn't good enough at modular yet and I wanted to practice but through that process of spending hours creating something and then you know taking it away without showing it to anybody definitely it it does something in that part of your brain that works with the um the principle of impermanence and i I like to think that it's it's helpful in that way i don't know i could be romanticizing it but i think it's so nourishing and i wish i could talk with the elegance of um and i keep bringing bringing this back but actually it's your listeners should should totally check out the astro hustle with Corey allen we talked a little bit about this impermanence with patching Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how nourishing the practice is and then he had all of this data from from his reading from reading and studying on the brain and how it works and what we're doing and and how the um like the the reward system and and also just uh um sort of the devotion that's required for it the per, the perseverance mm-hmm. these are all the things that if you read about like how to be happy mm-hmm. like these are the things that support that and it's kind of like patching a modular synthesizer and creating a piece and making the mandala like you like you describe is a a a nourishing a an emotionally nourishing uh an endeavor and it's it's i had never thought about it so clearly until until then and that's why i love to do it you know i mm-hmm. came from having played like you talked about like the linear creation of music i came from having played guitar and i would improvise and that felt nourishing yes and playing with other musicians it was a similar kind of a thing but when i was trying to create music on my own I, I, I hit a wall. I couldn't, I just, it didn't, it didn't work really anymore to try to do it linearly. I, I would lose the inspiration and I would doubt what I'm doing from the point of beginning and putting down a layer to then trying to put other layers on yeah. that. I would lose it. It would take too long or something. And so if only the fact that I could conduct the entire modular orchestra in one shot when it came time to actually make the recording you know mm-hmm. like it may take me it might take me a month to build it up like in the <laughs> beginning like it would take me like a month pretty much or like at least two weeks and it might take me a while to build it up but when it comes time to actually take that infinity of music that is inside of this patch and to present it linearly with boundaries of entering and exiting of of here's where we start to pay attention to the music and here's where we're stopping to paying attention in other words the beginning of the recording and the end of the recording you know like how i would do that it by the time i got to that it was all ready and i could just flow and create and improvise with the support system that i had built up 
that yeah, I like that. I like that. And 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 in another way, like kind of just to branch off of what I was saying with the like the impermanence thing, it's like it's also just kind of a a nice little tiny um what's the word I'm looking for? And it's not it's not like an analog, but like it's it's I guess an analogy of just like a a lifespan or something and how to approach mm. a life. Like there's certain things like you can't control like, like, of course, we can control our modules by turning them on or off. But if we get something generative, it kind of becomes its own thing. And we can wrangle it and keep it within some rails, but we can't totally yeah. make it do exactly what we are trying to do. And that's the same thing with yes. just being a person in this world, you know? Um, yes. So I, I kind of... Giving up control. Yeah, exactly. Yes. There's, there's, a sense, there's a sense of giving up the control. And, and I feel like it's with that whole thing of with making music linear, linearly and like trying to put a lot of stuff out, I was trying to make my mark on the world for other people to see, hey, look at the thing. Yeah. And, and I, we all do that as yeah. artists to an extent or we wouldn't release anything we make. But I feel like yeah. your relationship with that and managing the expectations like we were talking about earlier, this process of why am I doing this and why am I not? I feel like for some reason modular has helped me learn how to not be so, for lack of a better word, thirsty for yes. whatever the praise or any of that is. Does that make sense? Yes. It really does force you to not you know, I'm coming back to the control thing here. Mm. It forces you to not have so much control. And the the fact that you might wipe this whole thing, like you're not going, you may have found a beautiful moment, but that beautiful moment, all patch aside, the patch could stay completely intact. That beautiful moment may never happen again. Right. You may never get back to that. And it can be hard when you're making like a generative patch and you go and you, let's say you just take a parameter too far. You mm-hmm. go and, <laughs> and it just, it goes so much farther than where you meant to go. And, you know, it, it can feel sometimes easier to play it safe and to make small changes and not get there. But then you're not really progressing and moving forward. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, has been a good teacher for me with just like, okay, this may be great right now, but it's not so precious. Right. It's not so precious that I can't change Mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just go with it. Just just try it because you might get somewhere better. And isn't that a teacher for life? Totally. Totally. When we try to perfect, you know? Yeah. And and locked. like I love uh, like this this is like this is actually kind of the stuff I was thinking about when I wanted to start this podcast so I'm really yeah. glad that we found ourselves here in this conversation cuz there's also something about this thing of you know this idea of of being present and um and I think there there have been patches where I have you know I'm like okay I'm not going to record this because I I don't want to I don't know where to go with it but this moment itself is very nice so I'm just going to yes. sit here and I'm just going to have fun and enjoy this and like make an effort to be like this is just the thing that's happening right now and this doesn't have yes. to be a band camp track this is a thing yes. I'm doing right now in real time and yes that's important I think too that's what I would be doing when I would be building a patch for a month. I would have mm-hmm. all these moments within there that were so beautiful, but I knew it wasn't like it wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. But eventually, the the if an, if enough time is spent on a patch, like it may transform many times over until it becomes the thing. But eventually, it hits a point where I cannot hold back my excitement 
to capture <laughs> yeah. a performance of it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and 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 I I think about that a lot too because I'm like, okay, let's let's imagine a world where I I reach whatever this idea of enlightenment is, or like, uh, then would that mean I would never record anything ever again? Like do <laughs> like like do I want to get so like have like obliterate my ego so much that I wouldn't, I wouldn't even do anything anymore. <laughs> it's yeah. Kind of this, I mean, it's totally like a, a philosophical exercise, but it's kind of fun to go down that, that rabbit well, hole. Well then you wouldn't be exist. I think you wouldn't be existing in time anymore. Right. Yeah. It's and, like and, these monks that, that, that go into a cave and they disappear. Right. You know, right. or like Obi-Wan Kenobi and then come out. Yes, at light body, you know, like <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi just like disappearing out from under his robes, right, right. you know, like like you, what, if you if you do that, you'll become a force ghost. Like right. that's just straight up. <laughs> oh yeah. man, man, we've we've covered some ground. We we have gone <laughs> long, but I I'm fine with that because uh, this has been awesome, and uh, there are no rules. Um, but I would like to kind of like take this into a landing here. Sure. Um, I don't want to take too much of your time today, but I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to, but we can edit this out. But because you took all of the time to hook up your synth yeah. so I can hear it and you can record it at the same yeah. time, usually what I do with a patch challenge is have somebody record it when we're done talking. Yeah. But something I wanted to talk to you about was a little bit about your patching practice. So sure. what if we took a few minutes, I gave you a prompt and you kind of walked us through creating a patch or okay. wrangling Check a this patch. Out. I will, yes, I will be a wrangler only. Okay. Because um, this patch uh -huh. is a performance patch. Okay. Something I do okay. and I've done for um, ever since the, uh, what piece was that called? Um, Supermoon preparation. That was the Vimeo piece that got the 10K okay. views. So you've had, had it patched up the same way? No. Okay. But that was the that was the first performance patch I ever made. And I've made many performance patches since then, and things have changed drastically. But this particular performance patch uh, is still iterating off of the main thing I put together right after my West Coast trip when I returned east. And I literally returned to East so that I could play Moogfest 2018. And okay. so that Moogfest 2018 set that's on YouTube, you know, ever since then, my performance patches have been similar. There have been a few that have gone a little farther left field, like with using Renee or something instead. But I'm back to the, um, the Ansible style with the 2STO voice that's going into Optimix. Optimix is being wrangled by Just Friends. Uh, the the sum out of Opto is going into Belgrad. Belgrad is going into some sort of delay. Right now it's Magneto. It's been Magneto since the full new recording, the Revenge um, released commend thing it did with Emily. Um, and that's just been my standard dealy. Okay. And then there's other voices that are um, plats into a filter uh, into just the delay in the mixer and then uh, rings into T-Rex, into sisters, into a version of clouds. It's the microcell. Okay. And uh, because it's the best clouds, actually. <laughs> um, but, and, uh, 
And then um, I've added since then, as of 2019, a little 2HP kick into another Ripples filter. I have to use a filter after it because I'm, I have a love-hate relationship with 2HP kick. It has this click this uh-huh. transient click that I cannot get rid of. And when you look at the waveform, it's a full frequency, full spectrum click that I literally have to remove in Isotope RX using the click remover. Oh, no. Um, because it's just, it sounds horrible. But if I super low pass it, uh-huh. uh, I can pretty much remove it to where it sounds like a nice round bass. Um, and so those voices that are not the STOs are being played most of the time by a Marbles, and then the STOs are being played by one channel on a Kriya that's being um, hocketed around with a Shifty. Uh, and so, and all of this is being organized by a PAMS. Like, this is the main idea of of the performance case, and I actually returned just a month ago, or whenever I patched this recent one up, I returned to this more command Moogfest style, you know, thing, uh, because I had tried something different for a while, and it was just getting a little. I don't know. It just wasn't. I wasn't feeling it as much yeah. anymore. It wasn't. So I, I came back, and there's a level of organization that I can set up with Kriya, where I can draw a shape in oh, on the monom grid, and that visual shape helps me organize the sequence like i don't i don't make my sequences by ear uh-huh. i make my sequences if it's if i'm using renee i make it by literally just um randomly turning knobs uh-huh. until it you know or on Kriya, i make a visual a visual pattern and that really helps me out because then that sequence then goes through two layers of abstraction it goes through just friends Okay. which is allowing one of the voices, one of the... It's just hocketing back and forth between two SDOs. It allows one of them to have a different envelope than the other one in a way. It's actually the same shaped envelope, but it might come in at a different time. Mm-hmm. So you don't hear both of them always. Right. So there's a second layer of like polyrhythmic abstraction being put on the amplitude, basically, of those. And then once I put it into Magneto, I can start doing stuff like this. I'm bringing in the other heads, uh-huh. like the higher heads right now. I'm going to bring up the tempo a little bit. By the way, you are able to hear this yeah. right now, yeah, right? Yeah, sounds okay, gorgeous. Good. Making sure it is coming through. So this okay. kind of like main voice, this kind of like chord thing, is that just, that's the two STOs? I know you no, mentioned the some chord other that's thing. coming in. It's like like that thing. Yeah, that's actually my favorite. That's straight from Loom One. That's um, the uh, green first green mode first green model on plats okay the um pair of pair of waveforms um pair of analog waveforms or whatever it's called and so i have it tuned to a fourth i think it's fourth okay um and so i'll change that from a fourth to a unison to a fifth to an octave sometimes using the i'm using the micro version of this i'm using the the um knit uh-huh. You know, a little, little knit, a little knit. And so, I'll, you know, the little tiny knob for harm is kind of hard to use. Uh, yeah. It's hard to get it tuned up, so I often don't change it. Uh-huh. But no, that's just, um, yeah, so that's just plats going into ripples. And it's a trick where I take the envelope that is uh, adjusting plats amplitude that's going into the level control on plats. Uh-huh. I invert it okay. in ripples. 
Oh, okay. So then I take the frequency of ripples and so that it opens as the amplitude is closing, you know, that same uh-huh, envelope. Uh-huh. And it just it's just that cool mwah yeah, thing. And yeah. it just feels so good. And then if I give that delay, basically, you know, um, it's funny that's just all hit a moment of <laughs> silence that's like where the that's what i mean about these cycles like uh-huh. they all aligned in a way where it um it just all started over i just increased the tempo a little bit but uh yeah it just it just feels so good um, yeah i could so just no, listen to this is. just do what it's doing for like i could just put this on and just kind of putter around the house and just have and that that's what i've been doing bit. yeah <laughs> that's exactly it you know i've had this one on in fact i recorded it the other night i wanted to get some multi-track of it because i had this really cool thing happening with rings which i'm not hearing right now and i just want to see why i'm not hearing it um because i had it uh i was using i'm using this ssl6 mixer which is like amazing but there's one way of using the mixer where i'm using all of the separate outs uh-huh. so that each channel that i have going into it is going to a separate channel of my interface so that i can multi-track it but okay. today to be on this i'm going out of the sum out uh-huh. of the mixer into the um the recorder that's recording my voice separately from this and recording this mm-hmm. which is the matriarch, like, um, but all is separate tracks, right? So, um, but I had this really, really cool thing. Oh, by the way, do you hear that weirdness? That was cool. (laughs) Yeah, there's been something weird with, um, you know how if you're patching, you might have a cable that is patched into something but is unpatched on the other end. Uh And sometimes that voltage causes anomalies within the entire system. I don't know if you've experienced that kind of thing. I don't think I have. That happens in my system. So I don't know if it's maybe like a power supply or whatever, but I've been having this thing where some cable will make one of the voices flip out and trill. Um, But I do kind of want to bring in this rings thing because it is so unringsy that it's so brilliant. And it's basically just noises... Um, really noise, and so I'm just going to troubleshoot if that's not boring for no. Wait, let's just let's just let's just bathe in this this bath here for a minute while you figure it out. I think I found it. Um, the output of rings was not plugged into T-Rex. I had unplugged it, so now I see an input going into clouds, but I see no output coming from clouds, and I think that's because. The controls that I have on clouds are not set up. So what I have going on at the very top, this is the IntelliGel performance case. So I have two quadrats up top, and I use those quadrats as offsets, most of them as offsets to control um, parameters down inside all these little micro modules that are Uh too hard to use on their own. And so I have three parameters on clouds that I can affect, and I think this one is size. And this one is pitch, and this one should be density. There we go. Okay, was that it? I think it was. <laughs> Let's just check. Let's see. Nope, that's still Magneto. Okay, so we're still not getting an output. <laughs> oh. Well, you're making me want a Magneto even more than I've already wanted one. Oh, so. I love it. It, it transforms, um, we're hearing the wet only. Oh, really? I'm not even using a dry right now. Yeah. 
Um, so let's just look at, let's look, this is what I do. Let's look at Microcell for a second and make sure that some of the knobs aren't set in a weird place. Oh, I know what it is. Okay, now I got it. <laughs> I forgot. I had set up the uh, Monome Arc. Remember, this is like after a late night session like two nights ago. Right. And like I'd forgotten what I had done. I had set up the Monome Arc to have finer control over those, um, those parameters. Uh, and so if I move these knobs... Oh, whoa. Okay, here we go. Now, it's a little weird right now, but I'll, I'll find it in a sec. And I just have to remember what they do, right? <laughs> to remember, yeah. like, what each knob means. I know, I know that game. And so I'm still in a remembering place and don't expect it to be this <laughs> intense, but... There we go. Oh, that's nice. Okay, great. So my right hand can control when it happens. Uh-huh. And when it doesn't happen. So that is... Let's see what control that is. That's probably helpful for for folks to like know what that's plugged into. That's the density. Okay. So I am increasing density in a clockwise way from 12 o'clock. Okay. The knob on the device is set at 12, and I'm giving it a positive offset with this, this high-resolution knob. So that allows me to be really expressive and to say, I want you to play now or I don't want you to play now. Right? Uh -huh. And the, the, the higher I dial it up, it's full density versus if I dial just a little... It's that random density, uh -huh, uh -huh. that random scatter. And now the left knob is my pitch. Okay. Now, but I have that pitch quantized to to a specific intervals that I that I want. Uh huh. And I remember now, actually, this sound. I was getting it from an unpatched T-Rex. Now. Oh, really? I do okay. remember that I had, this is what was making it so awesome. I had the input and output uh, maxed on the microcell and I was using noise from T-Rex. T-Rex is the all right devices like, is it like a fuzz or something like that? It's, yeah, it's like okay. a bit reducer and decimator. Okay. I love the thing. It's, it's, it's such an underdog. Like people don't get it, I think. Yeah. People don't really like, and I've used it like exclusively like for the last two years <laughs> but here we go check this stuff out like those kind that of sounds, sounds awesome. are really cool yeah. and so now if I modulate that bit reduction and just let it generatively be modulated right uh -huh. as I change these clouds parameters I'm going to bring it a little louder just becomes really it's such a perfect dynamic. addition to this because this is something that like you like i said you, you could put around the house too that doesn't necessarily need something but like yeah i could get to a place like maybe that has kind of this vibe but then maybe wonder well what could i really add to it and i feel like what where you went with that is just such an interesting and fitting choice that that's yeah such a juxtapose cool. a completely yeah. different frenetic digital thing to this like warm calm analog uh -huh. kind of thing and this is like the performed thing like it's a complete 
it's a it's free jazz you know right, it's right. like a gestural <laughs> real-time thing whereas behind it is just like semi-generative loop in a way right you right. know it's never looping but it the whole thing sounds like a loop because the um the parameters are wrangled low enough narrow enough so that the the amount of change is low enough that the brain registers it as the same thing even though it's never really ever the same like uh -huh. the timing and stuff you know which is really just marbles i have the notes locked the x side locked uh -huh. and the time unlocked okay so it's completely giving me new timings uh but it's yeah but it's always it's always keeping that same note kind of sequence happening wow but yeah, this is so. This is what I like recorded, um, maybe like an hour or more of the other night, and then forgot to stop, hit stop, and I <laughs> went to sleep because it was too late, and I was uh -huh. like, I gotta sleep. And I woke up the next morning, and I was like, oh, I left it recording, and I looked over, and it had been recording all night long on the sound devices, <laughs> like <laughs> Wait, the generative was version there, of it. Was it still making music too while it was recording? Well, it was making the stuff we're hearing now without right, right. the performed stuff. But okay. I didn't. I threw away all those files. Like I didn't need. <laughs> I didn't need like eight hours of of the same <laughs> you know thing. Um, although that could be like one of those things where you put up a. I sort a of have a desire hour. to make a YouTube video. Yeah, to yeah. make like a <laughs> a um like TNG um bridge sound you know bridge sound video. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? You'll get like the Star Trek. Um, bridge ambience and people put up a 10 hour YouTube video right, of that. Right. I sort of have a desire to put up a 10 hour YouTube video of some generative <laughs> patch. Yeah. Um, but I, this, is, this leads me to think now if I may um, do one more little thing with this before yeah. we bring it to where if I were to go and plug T-Rex back in in other words plug um, rings back into T-Rex oh okay it's not going to work now. Alright was just curious okay. so to, just to sum, summarize, I was exploiting the unpatched noise in the module, literally having it no input into the module, uh -huh. and then bringing up the noise floor as far yeah. as I can with boosting, and then granularizing it. Aha, okay, yeah. Hearing. You could do something like that up to 100 grit. I'm like looking at, like, how could I do something similar? That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, so how how about this? Since okay, this I, I did a I did a random word pairing with my patch challenge generator, and and the words soft focus came up. I feel like those that sounds. Nice. I feel like you could you could work with that within the parameters. Do you want to do like like a three minute just no talking jam on what we were just listening to 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 take us home? I would, and I would like to take a moment, and I'll walk you through what I'm going to do. Okay. I want to make, I'm going to stop the noise thing I'm doing now, right? Uh -huh. And I want to soft focus clouds more on uh, harmonic material. So let me just set that up in real time as, as we listen. So right now, we're only listening. Oops, nope. We're only listening to rings. And let's see if it's even going to work. Okay, it's still too ringsy. I mean, it's still too cloudsy. All right, I need to get the <laughs> mix. Now, the mix is maxed out, so there it is. But I want to um, smear it. There we go. That's a little more. There we go. That's our soft focus. And let's bring in... 
Ringsy's reverb. That's much softer. And let's reduce the boosted volume, which was distorting it. That's why we had some distorted distortion there. And so in other words, I wouldn't be able to do this all in real time to start the performance. It's too much to juggle. Yeah. I need to like make sure it's set up in advance. <laughs> okay. This is cool. So People I, get to hear the patch challenge in real time, the making of it. Yeah, exactly. So I think that'll work. That should be good. Uh, so I can bring down that. Uh, oh, I need to unpatch one more thing. I had patched into the input VCA of um, Microcell and gave it an external offset to really boost it. So now, it, but it gave like terrible noise when you turn the knob. So, because I think it's some weird voltage thing like DC offset style or something. So that knob should work now. And yeah, here we go. Let's do some soft focus. Right on.
gorgeous. Thanks. That was absolutely wonderful. And you know, it's more than a right place, right time with you. You man, you make you make absolutely beautiful, beautiful music that is uh yeah. You're at, you're at the top of the game as far as I'm concerned with <laughs> with uh with the modular music goes. So, thank you. Tim. It's been so so awesome to to finally get to chat with you and I I love that we 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 covered some ground today. Yeah, we did. Um so yeah, thanks again, man. So much fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, where can people find everything Light Bath? Sure. Well, you know, there's always lightbath.com, L-I-G-H-T-B-A-T-H.com. But, you know, I am releasing Selected Public Works, Volume 5, this Friday, December 11th. Um, actually, it looks like that's in the past um, for when this podcast yeah. is being published. <laughs> but I just released Selected Public Works, Volume 5, on my Bandcamp. That's just lightbath.bandcamp.com. Um, yeah, if you if you like the music, please, please do pick up a tape. This time I made 100 tapes instead of 50 tapes. Uh, last time I made 50 tapes and then a second run of 50. This is only getting one single run of 100, um, and about 50 of them have sold. So there's still 50 tapes. Tapes left, plenty okay. left for you, um, but eventually they will sell. Uh, I know I sold all 100 of the previous four volumes, so that they will sell out and they will not be made again. I'm moving over to uh, making a, like a real studio album that's going to be on a label and stuff, so it's going to be really cool, like a vinyl or something like that. But yeah, that's where people can find me, and um, you know, as as all of us content creators, um, most of us are. I also have a Patreon, but all that stuff is linked from the website. So yeah, thanks. Cool. Right on. And that link will be in the show description. Again, thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. You bet. All right, that's our episode. Thank you, Brian, aka Lightbath. Please go check out everything Lightbath at lightbath.com. Thank you to everybody who supports me on Patreon. I really appreciate the help. And if you would like to uh, join the ranks, head over to patreon.com forward slash modular modcast. Please check out Needham Woodworks, the finest Euro rat cases in the land. Patchworks, our lovely local synth shop here in Seattle, has everything that you need. P A T C H W E R K S dot com. And, uh, you probably have just enough time if you go now to afterlateraudio.com and get that uh, that Benjamin V2. You could you could put it in the stocking of the the synthesist enthusi- the synthesizer enthusiast in your life. Next week we're doing Christmas tunes. I love you all. Thank you so much for being with me on this journey. We're almost at the end of the year. We're gonna get through it. Until next week.